nice things. Hello, good evening and welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things. The antidote to modern living. <laughs> the antidote to modern living. And joining me this week, Sir Michael Livesley, we have... You have Lord Paul Carmichael, who earlier today got confused as to what moomins were, and his brain told him they were called splosh donkeys. Splosh donkeys. Splosh donkeys. All right, well, before you bowl into that, you've just reminded me, I had a dream about being on the North Circular Road in London, so there you go. Um... <laughs> Did anything happen? <laughs> yes, it did, actually. There was a police incident. Oh, and they blew are up they a arresting car. you? No, 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 no. It was weird. I ended up back in a student house. It was a mishmash of all kinds of stuff. Needless to say, I had the last laugh. Um, <laughs> so, um, go on then. What's up with moving splosh donkeys? Nothing, nothing, nothing at all. It was just, it was one of those moments, you know, when, when the strong arm of the law was sweeping ah, through the internet this right. morning. Um, and and obviously one likes to come back quickly with things, and I thought of something, but it was really dependent on me remembering what moomins were to drop a little little joke in. Um, could I remember what they were? I absolutely couldn't. You know, I, I can the the theme music's in my head. I can picture them, and I'm thinking they're like hippos. They can't be called the hippos. What they look like? Donkeys, donkeys. Okay, what else? Uh, they're white. Do they go in the sea? Splosh, splosh, donkeys. No, that's not. No, so they're not just this general animals. confusion. Um, I've always said if I could have any animal, I would like a moomin. But I think it's because I want a servant. Ah, okay. I think it's that. Well, if you hadn't sent them all off to war, you could have retrained a yobbo. Oh, no, 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 you can't retrain those. Now, that I think there's an interesting caveat here, I should say, because obviously we know that Vladimir Putin is a fan of the show. Um, last oh, week, nice. I was only hypothesising when I talked about war, and I don't mean a war like your, you want. I mean, you know, just a field in Belgium with some holes in the ground and people in them shouting. This was essentially a theme park, wasn't it, which sort of occupied... Yeah, the people who might bang on your window as opposed to a, a kind of conflict. Oh, oh, no, 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 there was conflict. No, there was conflict because right. if they don't die, they're going to come back after they've visited and knock on my window. I think we're underrating... Right. You're underestimating the death toll that I... Was. Well, then you're getting exactly what you want, then. Potentially. Well, no, because I'm talking about war, like, you know, of, of 1914 to 18, where Decent it's just men uniforms. writing poetry. Proper yes. haircuts. That's the stuff. Yes, you know, yes. I not, see what you're this. getting at. That's what I want. I don't want this nonsense. I'm not up for that at all. No, don't want it. No. There we go. No. Um, have you took your Putin calendar down in the kitchen then? The the one where he's noshing off a burr. Yes, I've taken that down. <laughs> I love the ones where he's like uh, burr-chested on horseback. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's brilliant, that but is. It's, it's some brilliant. of the most homoerotic imagery I have ever seen is Vladimir Putin's publicity photos it's quite something so moomins then yeah did you win the argument again so we're back to paul you know life is precious life is. is short it is. um and you choose to uh rouse yourself early in the a.m yes to, to find like how many followers did this person have three oh i did 17 didn't count 17, 17 followers nevertheless no, and it's and that's the thing. It's just some people get up nice and early and go for a jog. Other people get up and meditate. I like to just sweep through Twitter for an hour, put the world's right. The problem 
The problem comes with mm. the people who think that you wish this to continue. They don't realise, no, this is just an hour's work. And I'm then, done now. Yeah, I'm done now. I fed. So then they keep, then they reply three hours later and go, ah, well, uh, no, no, we've finished. This isn't continuing. I didn't mean anything I said. What are you doing here? They get terribly upset, I think, because they possibly mean it. Whereas I'm just enjoying myself, taking I, the brain for a walk. It's like a captured gall that you keep in the cellar. Isn't it really to taunt? Yes, that's um, exactly it. I see no issue with this. No, no. I think this is what Twitter was invented for. So, what was the why? Why did it involve Moomins? Well, what it was going to be was it was going to be the, the, the chat was Scandinavian who was oh, arguing, right. right? Meant to be the happiest country um, in the world and all that sort of stuff. So I pointed mm. that out and I said, why are you trying to buck the trend there? He yeah. got upset about that for some reason. And then I thought, right, Moomins, what, what, I thought, Scandi Noir, what can we jump uh, drop in here? And it was Moomins that came to mind, except they didn't. It was no. it was the, the Splosh Donkeys. Oh, um, oh I see. Well, yeah. see, the thing is as well, that the Finns, are, their language is completely different to the Scandinavians. They're not... Scandinavian as such. No, no, they're not. They're very lovely, though. I mean, I think they my, my happiest... Lovely. Oh, very lovely. My happiest location I've ever been in was right up North Finland um, at 20-odd years ago. It's just ridiculously cold. Lovely. Minus 43. Lovely. Proper. Lovely. That is proper, that. Especially that when you proper. consider all those sort of... You know, those dark European proto-folk stories and stuff yes. like that. Yes, oh, and, and I think one of the best animations for them was mm. um, those adverts for Smirnoff Ice. Do you remember that? The Jagger Moth or something. Do you not remember those? They were really good. Yes, I do remember. Sort of folk horror things. Yes. Yeah, yeah they the guy really started going good. through the woods with a like a pipe playing the pipe, yes. and they were wasted on these adverts for this horrendous drink that I don't know. Do they still make Smirnoff Ice? Oh yes, that's oh yes, you found empty bottles fun. by the door, have you? Uh, by occasionally, the... there's one near the window. Uh, Chap who knocks me up at four p.m. Not for long. Um, no. But yes, so uh, they do still make that. But no, it, it's it's lovely though, isn't it? The whole sort of the the culture that they have there. Is it the Jeddah or the? I think it was. And they drink it, it and they'd sort of all shake and stuff like That's that. That's it. Yeah. Oh. Whoever made that, they'll they will be doing wonderful things now. No, absolutely, they will. Superb animation. So yes, yes the, those folk tales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I love all that, but I also love all the sort of. Um, you know the Nordic sagas and stuff like that. Yes, Ragnarok and, um, and that. But the the Vikings found America. I mean, they've, 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 there's enough evidence for that, and they call that Vinland, which I always thought was interesting. Presumably, yeah, no, it is. Finland is not yeah. called Finland if you're a Finn. That's a weird one, though, isn't it? And I'm wondering if this is. I I, I found it very strange because yes, there's so much evidence now. Now, the first time I remember this being a thing on television. Mm was there was a time team dig. So we're talking about maybe 15 years ago yeah, uh, in North America. And they found, they basically went, here we have it, a Viking settlement. A couple of years later, someone goes, have we found proof that the Vikings are here? Well, Tony did that a while yeah, ago. No, Two years later, have we found proof? No, we, we've established this now. I mean, when can we just accept that that happened? It's confused because so many Swedes um, 
and Norwegians went over to that sort of Midwest part of America, didn't they? And, uh, you know, um, Minnesota, Minnesota, you know, that, that whole part of America where they all say, oh, yeah, yeah. If you've watched Fargo, the Coen Brothers thing, oh, you're darn tooting, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And they all have that accent. I was in Thunder Bay in Ontario, which is the other side of the lake uh, in Canada, and... Uh, there they had a, a Finland bakery, Bank of Finland, and uh, the guy who was with me, Chuck, whose house I was staying at, him and his mum, when they had a Barney, and they were arguing yeah. away, they'd, they'd do it in Finn. Really? <laughs> so I didn't know what they were on. So anyway, the point of that story is, they fabricated a runix, a massive stone covered in runes, and said, yep, yeah, this is it, the Vikings win it. And it's, <laughs> it's a complete falsehood. So they've kind of muddied the water so much that when people do come up with those archaeological finds, I think the time team was up in Newfoundland where it's pretty much established they did yes, find it was. a colony there. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Wonderful. it's because so, they uh, did that. Yeah. Go on the internet, you can have a look at this gigantic runic sort of, I think it might be uh, like a standing stone or something. Oh, I'll have a look for that. Yeah. I saw the Nordic chessmen, you know, that they found up in the Hebrides. Mm. I saw those um, in uh, the museum in Edinburgh recently. They're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, and they, they, every single one of them looks like Nog in the Nog, yes. which is wonderful. You know that yes. somehow Oliver Postgate actually captured that look with that animation, but he was a very clever man. He was a very clever man. I mean, that, that, that sort of that is a an archetype, though, isn't it? The the look of those things. Those there's a lot of those chess pieces, uh, chess sets extant. There's a there's a hell of a lot of them to base it on. But yeah, that whole Nordic thing is great. Um, but the Finns, because they're across, what's the water, the body of water they're across? Oh, I don't know, a fjord of some sort? Yes, I'm sure it is, yes. Mm. Anyway, someone with a lot more intelligence than us will know what lump of water that is. And they're separated by that, so they're uh, quite different people. But uh, hippos, yeah. They kind of won a lot in the 80s, didn't they? In the 80s, it was sort of all of a sudden... Because weren't they uh, invented in the 50s, these things? The Moomins, are we saying? Yeah. No, Moomins are 30s, 1930s, late 30s. Oh, yeah, they're late 30s. Uh, Toby Anson comes up with them. I think it was the 50s that they became popular in the English-speaking world. And there was um, one of the newspapers used to carry a cartoon strip every day. Um, which she was pretty much burnt out uh, by doing because she actually came up with the anime, uh, with the drawings and the, the words every day for a good few years, right. up until about 67, I think. Right, right. right. Um, but no, I'm, uh, the Moomins, of course, to us are little fuzzy felt things. Yes. Um, animated in Poland by Film Polska. Ah, um, is that what that was? Lovely. That's that, that was. It's the strangest thing, isn't it? It's a, it's a Film Polska and Central Television production. Um, that's perfect though isn't it yeah it's absolutely lovely to see that um you've got there's some lovely things which have come out of those uh, polish studios uh, like the, the barandov film studios i love those now they're they're actually czech but the reason that they always come to mind is because you know if we're talking about countries that have been a little bit repressed and things like that mm. um there's a lovely bit of uh, video of uh, the people doing the behind the scenes uh model shoot for Jupiter Moon, which was BSB's sci-fi soap. Um, and it was all done out at the Barandov Film Studios. And in this video, you can see them setting the spaceship up, and they've got this little mini uh, shuttle, which is on wires, and they're about to go, and you get the, the countdown, three, two, 
Hold it. <laughs> because the revolution was taking place outside. Um, they were wow. trying to get rid of the of the Russian uh, occupation at that point. So they were just, per- hold on, bang, okay, and go for the take. Um, it's fascinating to watch. Absolutely yeah. love it. Well, when, when I think of Poland, uh, I think of uh, Lech Wałęsa and his Christmas jumper. You know, that bloody, um, you know, Solidarnosc. What was that, about Christmas 81 or 82? Where they're in the shipyards, they did the big strike. And I just remember him in this Christmas jumper, you know, like, hey, we've won or whatever. Yes. Um, but when you say that, do you remember Murrenbutch Stansinger? Yes. Do you yeah. remember that? Wasn't it like a crack in the kitchen? In the kitchen yes. lived behind it. Yeah, just this sort of like thing. ginger herd little purpley thing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Don't, I don't know what that was meant to be. That one did confuse me a little. Well, I remember, didn't Victoria Wood do a routine about you set the video to record? <laughs> I can't remember what she said. You set the video to record the district nurse or something she wanted to. And you get half a recipe and a, a Polish cartoon or something like that. That was always good. Because yes. BBC Two always used to put those out. Didn't they as well? Those. Um, do you know what? Telly used to be so genuinely interesting when it had those little corners on it, and they don't oh, have yeah. that now, do they? They don't have them little five minutes of. Yeah, no one likes it. Occurs. It it's got twenty six viewers or something like that. But Livesley will sort of come across this and be mesmerised for like. Well, no, we we've not got that. That's uh, schedule stripping is responsible for oh, that. Where basically. Man. It's all it stripped so into one hour or half hour sections, oh. and you go right at this point for this half hour. There has to it's be a too quiz show. Slick, it is. It's, it's too, too slick. I don't want slick. I no, want. Oh, we occasional... cocked up the timings. We're going to have to shove this on. Yeah, let's just pop on a you know some Polish public information film animated thing. With, everything's done with gongs and zithers. Nobody cares. No. no, but it's just interesting for a moment. No, you don't get that. No. Afternoons on ITV when they knobbed something up, whatever it was, they cocked up. It'd be like a, a now uh, an unscheduled program. Well, they wouldn't would because it was Granada. So it'd be like, all right, just let the whippets out. Um, That's it. No, it'd be like, and they'd always show an about Britain. Yes. You know, it was always Lovely. an about Britain. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, just that little bit of filler, but they're so important, you know. And I, I think for us, is that is that partly where the whole sort of like, I don't know, I'm suggesting that people above a certain age maybe have more inquiring minds. I mean, we've talked before yeah. about that whole thing of basically because you can just pick this up, Google it, read it, Absolutely. and go, oh, forgotten it Do you now. remember Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World? Oh, yes, I do. That Crystal, was that... Crystal Skulls. Crystal Skulls and all that. You used to have really good shit like that on in an afternoon. And that yes. was another one that would just just appear. Mm. You know, it was like, oh, right, is this on? You know, Or have... an edition of Survival. They always seem survival. To be that was the Anglia's one I was trying survival. to remember. Yeah, Anglia. Yeah. See, but we, you know, you're right. We miss all that now because it is so slick, and everything. Well, play out of uh, most channels now is controlled by Red B Media, so it's all played out from servers, from one room, uh, which occasionally leads to cock-ups. Like last year, Channel Four. Um, had no subtitles for over a month, maybe two months or so, right at the back end of last year. And it was because a fire alarm had gone off at Red B Media, where they play out all these channels. 
and there was uh, a sprinkler over the uh, Channel 4 um, playout suite, and it just went, and that was enough. And so no subtitles. If it was Channel 4 playing it out from Horsefree Road, wouldn't have happened. But it's all centralised now, which, again... Absolutely. It no, takes we don't the like safety that. out. What no. I used to like as well in the afternoons, we've mentioned this before, um, and this is um, one of those things that they've definitely changed. So you get, I remember Friday afternoons, for some reason I liked having Friday off school. That was one of the, remember we've, we've, we've spoken at length, viewers, about oh, fabricating yeah. illness so we didn't have to go into school. Fridays oh, yeah. seemed to be a favourite for me. And mm. I remember consecutive Fridays being the um, On the Buses film. And then the next week being um, for the love of Ada, yeah. Um, and and this this now seems like a very obvious link. However, um, both containing two people who have lost over the last couple of weeks, being Anna Karen and Jack Smethers. Yes. Um, now, when those films popped up, it's so strange when you finally got to see. I would say I first got to see on the buses in nineteen eighty nine. I know that for. 88, 89. I know that for a fact because Granada started to show them on a Friday tea time. But right. prior to that, my knowledge of On the Buses was only the films. Mm. And the films, those hammer comedy films, I think out of all of them, for one thing, they preserved the cast, right? In the On the Buses yes. films. Now, yes. um, you get the uh, Bless This House film, and whereas, um, you know, Robin uh, <coughs> Nedwell does a great um, job of replacing Robin Stewart from the TV series as the son. Uh, bonus points if you can remember the son's name. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, nope. Anyway, um, so, um, yeah, they often... Oh, you're having a little look, are you? It'll be Robin, won't it? That'll be the way. I mean, no, it was always... It wasn't. Right, uh, we'll I find out. I think it was Sally. Going. I think Sally Geeson retained her name of Sally. Hence the confusion, right? Yes. Here we go. Uh, bless this house. Uh, Robin Stewart. Uh, Mike. Oh, there you Mike go. Abbott. There, there you go, go. Mike Abbott. Um, so Sally Geeson, obviously, because she was quite known, she got to keep the gig. Sydney, mm. of course. Of course. Um, Diane Coupland. Diane Coupland, yeah, she was a name. Um, I always think Robin Stewart, because that was between series. So he must have been quite pissed off with that, actually. You'd uh, think so, wouldn't you? I mean, to have to, it wasn't to Robin Nedwell; it was series. Robin Asquith. Sorry, sorry, it was Robin Asquith. But it's, no. a, it's a strange one that. I mean, to do that, one would hope it was because of a scheduling conflict. But I imagine that if everybody else had made it, then they they would have known yeah. the film was in the offing. Well, a little side street here that we yes. we like, but other people won't like. Just be, we'll get back to this chat, obviously, because mm. there's a lot to talk about with Anna Karen. Yeah, but, there is. I didn't know that uh, William Chesterton was due to do the Brigadier's part in Modern Undead. Only the other day I read that. Oh, first Doctor Who reference. I know, well, but, but I, I meant to mention this to you because it was just like, that would have been wonderful. And it would have... Wouldn't it? We wouldn't have had all that mad continuity stuit with Unit. Well, now you see why you've suddenly got this situation in which the Brigadier suddenly works in a school. Because there wasn't time to even change the script. It, it's purely written for William Russell to do. But a scheduling conflict, simple as that, meant he couldn't do it. When did this and become had, common knowledge then? Yeah, uh, it's been common knowledge for quite a while now. But uh, I think there were two jobs, and one of them 
was an episode in the first series of Black Adder, I think. Right. Uh, which he's got a small part in. And then there was another job he'd taken on, which I think was something for Granada. And they just couldn't fit it in. It was as simple right. as that. That's my understanding. Could be quite wrong, though. Um, oh. Nick Courtney, however, always happy to just go, well, it doesn't make any sense, but I'll say it. Bless him. Yeah. And he's great anyway. So, I, I mean, great. yeah, he is wonderful in it. And it was lovely to see him, but it does cock up the unit continuity in the Pertwee years. But, you know. Massively. But Massively. I suppose no one gives a shit. But now it all makes perfect sense. Yes, there you go. That's now the it whole all makes reason. perfect sense. Yes. Um, and I love his. Last, last, last little point, I promise, listeners. You know when he's sat having that whiskey in yeah. The Five Doctors and he does the yes. smile thinking back? Lovely acting, that. Oh, yeah. It's it lovely is. acting. That's just Nick Cartney thinking back to working, isn't it? It you is. Know, and it all the fun that they had. Well, it's, I think it's just, it's one of those things, I like, think, these days we bang on about a very few actors who are currently working, don't we? And if they do something brilliant, then we go... Oh, wow, that's absolutely amazing because they did that performance. Uh, but I still swear, if you just delve back and pick a day from between 1953 and 1992 and just go, well, let's watch that evening's schedule, you're going to watch bloody good actors yeah. acting really, really yeah. well. Yeah. There, there wasn't anything unusual about seeing a very good actor doing a performance. No. Then. It was just kind of what you did. Again, yes. rehearsal, lack of rehearsal. I think it comes down to that. If you don't have that natural ability to just walk into a scene and just go, turn it on. Which well, not we many found do. that out on Friday, didn't we? <laughs> when we oh, made yes. our film. Oh, uh, my word. I thought we did well. I think we did all right. A Constant film in a day. Professionals, yes. Yes. yes as, as the chap doing all the sounds said, he said, uh, you know, when you've got people who know what they're doing, it, uh, it, it all goes swimmingly. It Probably does. didn't use the word swimmingly. That's one of my words. But um, I wouldn't think he did. No, but no, it was a lovely experience. It was. It, lovely, was, it lovely, was great. It lovely was great. Fun. Yes. Um, so Anna Karen. Yeah. Yes. And and the thing about as we've spoken before about John Littlewood, um, you know, which fed how how many of the on the buses cast, Blakey, Jack, Blakey, Olive, yeah, um. Husband, uh, Olive's husband, who yeah. then appeared again, Doctor Who reference, Visitation. Yeah, lovely. Uh, he was the head of the Actors Catholic Association, Michael Robbins, wasn't he? That's right, yes. So Which I'm, is now yeah, the guy who played... It's it's now the actor who's in Carry On Up your, uh, At Your Convenience. You know, the son of William C. Boggs. Oh. Another Stuart, he is. Okay. He's yeah. the head of it. Yeah, but you're right. There's so many of these who've got that grounding with Joan Littlewood, with the Actors' yeah. Workshop. Arthur. 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 That's yeah, it. Michael Robbins. Yes, wonderful. Are they all um, gone? They are. They are. I'm afraid that Anna was the last surviving cast member, regular cast member of On the Buses, all gone yeah. now, as yeah, of a few be, days yeah. ago. Yeah, my first experience, I think, with On the Buses would have been because I remember Fridays in a similar way with the repeats and that but I uh, I remember rushing home because for a while BBC 2 I think it was 2 showed lots and lots of these short uh, of these older programs and they did a season of the liver birds uh. and I was intrigued to watch the liver birds partly because a thousand shit show oh, Neris. um yeah. but well here's, here's the thing uh if you 
separated by thousands of cousins. There's a vague uh, sort of family connection to Nerys Hughes, so I was interested to watch. Secondly, it's Nerys Hughes with big hair in the 70s. Yes, yes, please. Wanted to watch. And also because it was an older sitcom and part of it was filmed in Liverpool and all that sort of stuff, so I wanted to watch it. And, and I knew the theme tune which The Scaffold did. I knew all this. I was very excited to watch this programme. And so I turned it on, rushed home, ran home, because I knew it was coming on, burst into the living room, telly on, just in time. Off we go. Theme tune, lovely opening titles, like shots of Liverpool down the docks in the 1970s. Uh, About 1970 was when they went into colour, so that's when these titles were. Lovely stuff. And then the programme starts, and it's awful. Terrible. There's not a joke in it. No. No, no, no. Which I was quite upset about. And Come so I watched it. I know, but I watched it for about five weeks thinking, well, there'll be a joke. It'll get better. But, yeah, it didn't. It didn't. No, it certainly doesn't. And it's such a shame because with Polly James and Neris Hughes, you have got not only two brilliant, brilliant actors, but you've got two people with sublime comic timing. Mm. Really just absolutely beautiful timing. But it didn't seem to make much of them. But rationalising this as I tried to, I did think to myself, well, what you've actually got here is something quite unusual. You've got a series that's written by a woman starring two young women. And we're talking about, what, 69 when the series started? Because Pauline Collins did the first series. Yeah, that's um, right, yeah. Which was only, I think, four episodes, none of which exist. I think the opening titles exist, uh, before Neris came in. So it was, you know, it it was doing something different. Um, But then... Then I'm confused by the fact that Eric Idle was script editor. And you think, well, Eric, didn't you think to put some jokes in Mm. at some point? It may have been one of those things where everyone's having just too good of a time that they don't notice. Or it could be simply that it's of its time. There are things that just don't try. I mean, on the buses now, the, the the, the, the way they insult Olive in that, I yeah. find it just it is a bit too much at times, mate. I know I've said that before on here, but who you stupid great fat lump? You know what I mean? And it's just like you know, and that's that's one of the nicer ones. I mean, some of the things that they say to her are just yeah. a bit a bit much, a bit much. But it does date. It all right. It dates it. But on the other hand, you're talking about broad body humour. With, yeah. And Anna Karen's obviously she's in on the joke because she did not look like that in real life. I was listening to uh, an interview with her, which was played out, I think, the day after she died, um, and she's talking about how she got the job, which is her agent found out about it and said, "Right, you've got to get over, get over to LWT, get to the South Bank. You're going to do a reading." And she was in bed with flu, but you know, proper seventies flu, not, not yeah, like these days stuff. where you got <laughs> flu, not like yeah. that. Proper not flu. Testing. And and she was told, no, you've got to get over. You could be great for this. So what she did was she just got up, threw a cardigan on, didn't put any makeup on. Her hair was all over the place, thick glasses because she had a headache. And she had flu. And she walked in. And it was, I think, uh, it was Chesney and Wolf, wasn't it, um, on the, yes, on the, the script Ronalds. team. And she walked in. Humphrey Barclay's there. And all she managed to say was, hello. And Humphrey Barclay went, that's the one. Yeah. And that was it. And she got it, which is just wonderful. But she's, when you see her not as Olive... Oh, yeah, she was a stripper, wasn't she? I mean, there's a story about it. Barbara Windsor is the one who got her started, isn't 
watching. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's one of those showbiz friendships, you know, to see them together in EastEnders, you know, towards the end of Barbara's career and stuff. And then when Babs died, you know, the tribute she gave, it was just like, oh, mate. It, it's like, these are massive. These are like, these are like the White Cliffs of Dover, these people. Yes. They, they really are. You know what mm. I mean? And we sort of too often... Um, you know, imbue our heritage in buildings and in, you know, stuff like stuff that doesn't have a, a pulse. And I think yes. that, um, I think that ours in particular, because it was a visual sort of medium we had, it was people, you know, and there is this danger, isn't there? There is this danger of us having to live in the past because we don't particularly like what's in the present which is what we do really absolutely uh, in, in terms of the visual arts but you know there was a time when all this was fresh and new and now it's kind of we, we've crystallized those moments in time but you know and this is what i'm attempting to do by us starting to make films and starting to make shows and stuff like mm. that um you know it's how I don't know the point I'm trying to make here, but we see it through a lens of nostalgia, don't we? All yes. this stuff. However, yeah. you know, there was a time when this is this is hey, this is what's happening, man. Do you know what I mean? And so there was a time when it was you know people did look like Olive, people did look like Arthur. You know, these people existed, and whether you like it or not, and whether I like it or not. In order to make stuff that's that relevant and that good to people now, you have to have people in it that represent the archetypes we live amongst. Which I don't want to do. I know. But that is, it's, it's, you've got to create stuff that not only reflects society, but also speaks to it. And On the Bus is dead. And this is my point about the Liverbirds. That world has gone that that was made to represent. So maybe that's why it doesn't work. But wow. is that world is that world really so different? I mean, yeah. Shakespeare, Shakespeare, Shakespeare still works because it works on an emotional level. Shakespeare works due to Arts Council funding and because it's kept hermetically sealed in its past as a curio. I don't no. think there have no, no. Listen to me. Uh. Let, let me finish my point. Uh. I think that you would have to go a very long way to see people make Shakespeare live and breathe. I think that the people who are at the top of their tree we do Shakespeare, don't do it very well. Because they right. just keep it as a historical curio. Hang on. They uh. keep it as a historical curio. And I've seen you take Shakespeare and make it communicate. But the people right. who are here, all right, RSC, all those people who are here, you know, I don't think they do it correctly. Okay. I don't think they understand it. Okay. I think that, I think the issue that you've got I think there's several issues. I think that the issue that you've got, first of all, is that we have this sort of thing where we, where Shakespeare is almost, you know, it's Shakespeare. It's like it's like a meme, yes. almost Shakespeare. Get rid of that. Just get rid of that. I'm reading this at the moment. There he is. Uh, oh, get great, rid of that. And think about him. This this mad tax avoiding boozer um, who was just a bloke. It's just that he happened to write well. Um, but if you break Maybe it Duke down, Duke of Oxford. <laughs> there is nothing. There is no evidence. There is no evidence. You give me one scrap of evidence. You know, actual I, evidence. I can get a guy together. I, I need to get you and him together because he's such. 
He's such an Oxfordonian. I don't wish to meet the man because he'll stand there and go, well, it's quite acceptable that he could have written Othello after he died. Really? How's that work? Via the Ouija board? Bullshit. I won't have any of that nonsense. <laughs> Absolutely not. Why would the Earl of Oxford use words that only people from Warwickshire, specifically Stratford, would have known? Weasties which is the name for uh, dragonflies, Weasties. Shakespeare uses that. It was basically people in a 20 square mile who would have known that because we didn't have standardised English. So you didn't even have standardised time till the 1800s. So why would somebody living down in Oxford poncing about abusing servants, why would he go, well, I think I'll write this in a dialect of a place I've never been. He bloody well wouldn't, and he certainly wouldn't have written a play four years after he died. Or maybe he wrote it and put it away somewhere, and so give it to people four years after I've died. Bullshit. He might have been like Tupac, you know, releasing music 20 years after he died. Who? <laughs> right, come on, let's get you back on track here. Right. Shakespeare. Yes. So that's my problem with it. Now then, you're right. So first of all, we've got those dicks and they need to just stop it at once. Trench. That's where they need to go, to the trenches. <laughs> However, what we've then got is that, that this side... Well, what you've got is the Victorians. It Always the bloody Victorians. Victorians, of course, create... Th change theatre massively. Up until the Victorians, theatre is something that is there for all the people. It is there for every man, woman and child in this country. The Victorians, with their class system, well, we don't really want that. What can we do? Separate it. And a key way of separating it is, of course, well, first of all, you give the working class something that they'll understand. Music hall. So we mm. give them music hall, because theatre's not for the likes of them. When it comes to Shakespeare, what we then do is we basically try and disconnect it further. Firstly, we've got to make it morally work. So we get into the idea of boulderizing Shakespeare, of taking out the dirty bits. And that's why if you look at a copy of Othello that was published around about 1880 or something, you will not find the phrase making the beast with two backs. That's just being removed because it's dirty. It's yes. also around this time that I, I've got a book uh, I shall dig out. Um written by a brother and sister, uh, and it's called The Girlhood of Shakespeare's Heroines. And it's the nicest book in the world, and it's basically, Viola was lovely, and one day a nasty thing happened to Viola, but it all worked out in the end because Viola was lovely. And that's the way that Victorians were taught about these people, not that they were humans, not that they had the same emotions. There was that need to disconnect. And that need, of course, comes from that whole respect, misplaced respect for what the classical world was. It was based on nothing. They had no idea about what the classical world was. So they went, well, it was probably people in robes being quite posh. Yeah. So the moment you start digging things up and it's men with their cocks out, oh, no, yeah. no, we can't have that. Smash the cocks off. Get rid yeah. of the cocks. We know people don't have cocks in Victorian oh, Pompeii. No. Get rid of those. So you end up with Shakespeare being altered. We alter the language. And then you end up with this idea of received pronunciation coming in. And it all has to be said in this rather particular way. And the way that you do it, why are you doing that? Well, you don't want to say it as it would have been said back in the day. If you want to see Shakespeare done brilliantly... Have a look at the work of Ben Crystal. Ben's brilliant. Ben's on Twitter. I think he's just at Ben Crystal or at Ben underscore Crystal. I thought you were, uh, thought you were going to say Northern Broadsides then. No, no, no. Would we'll you care to expatiate upon that? I will in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what he does Hamlet is he arranges, 
he does several things. He does uh, original performance language uh, performances. So if you want to hear it in the original performance, there's two things that you've got to do. First of all, you've got to drop your voice down to that part of the register. Shakespeare works better in the lower part of the register because it was designed to be said in the lower part of the register. Why? Because everybody smoked. Everybody smoked so they could purge illness from the body and one way to do that with, with tobacco. But also the only way of getting rid of rubbish 450 years ago was to make a great big pile of shit, literal shit, animal feces, old clothes, food left over at the end of your road and set fire to it. So it was constant smoke around everyone. That affects the voice, so the voice is lower down there. Next thing you need to do is speak like a pirate because that was Shakespeare's accent. So um, we know that from reading it. If you just read it as though you would read an issue of Viz... You know, when it's all written phonetically. Try and read Shakespeare like that, and suddenly it's all, to be or not to be, that's the question. It's all that sort of thing. That's well, original. There's further evidence for that, because um, there are parts of America where the yeah. accent hasn't changed since the Pilgrims. Yes. And they talk like that. Mm. I mean, that talking like that isn't very far from the way american has developed anyway no absolutely yeah you know and the the um you know uh when they spell labor without a u and color without a u and all that they're the english spellings frozen in time due to the constitution back which is interesting because i still can't approve of them even though i know you're right no 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 i know i uh, but but you know um Language develops, doesn't it? You know what I mean. Oh, that's, that's just the way it is. I mean, isn't isn't that the concept of consonantal shift? Yes, it is. And uh, which Doctor that Who's that in now? Where they spell all the words like Gizit, and they they spell them all like they said. He explains in that, isn't it? The Brothers Grimm are. He says came the invisible enemy. It's the yeah. invisible enemy. They came up with the concept of consonantal shift. See, I was I was that for a bit of education that's just stuck into a show. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a lovely thing when you get that sort of information just being dropped in. You wouldn't get that these days on Biker Grove or whatever they're watching. I don't know if that was no. But you wouldn't get that now. Um, but no, to, to drop that sort of that, that sort of thing in is, is fascinating. And that's the problem. If you were to listen to Shakespeare as it was written, it's written for the masses. You know, these are people with big emotions, but the same emotions that you and I have experienced... People have experienced forever. It's oh, all yeah. love, love and betrayal, sex and death. death. That's it. All of it. Yeah. Play the emotion. Find that motivation that judges that that pushes that character, and then say the words like that. That's all you've got to do. I'm all up for looking into the context. Absolutely, but it's ultimately friggin' useless because your job is to say the words. Mm. It's. I've said to you before. There's. That that the lovely phrase uh, when I did King Lear about smite uh, smite flat the thick rotundity of the earth. I, I never really looked into exactly what I was going on about for that whole speech. I just knew that it was lovely to say mm. and rotundity. If you put a little R on the uh, a little roll on the R, is a beautiful word to say. So you're right. What we've got because of the Victorians, and if you go back to them. You've got the parliamentarians and all those people who who thought, oh, no, theatre's bad. Nancy boys. Because you've got that sort of separation between the classes that happens with the Victorians, that's why these days you do have this idea that Shakespeare 
rather than being the tax-avoiding, alcoholic brummy that he was, that he's some sort of theatre god. And he's mm. not. He's just he's a bloke who happened to be a really good writer. He was a Galton or a Simpson. You know, he was he was a pinter. We get these people quite often. All you've got to do is just play the text. They they are so good. You just have to say the words. That's all. That's what yeah. I think, anyway. But Northern Broadsides put a clog dance in the middle of Romeo and Juliet. And that annoyed me, right? Because you've got this lovely sort of blocking going on. And over here you've got Romeo. And over there you've got Juliet. And in the Baz Luhrmann film that you think I should hate but I'd love. In the Baz Luhrmann I just, film. I think it's a great film. It's a brilliant film. That's the moment, you know, at the party where they see each other through the fish tank. Yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful vision. And they didn't change a word. Not a word. Not a word. They and left much more in. Yeah, they, they left a hell of a lot more text in than Zeffirelli left in in 68. But in in the Lerman one, where they see each other from either side of the fish tank, you see the moment that they fall in love. They, you see it in Zeffirelli's as well. The northern broadsides I saw, you've got Romeo over here, you've got Juliet over here, and in the middle there's people lined up doing a clog dance. No. Isn't that as good as a fish no. tank? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's... No. There was an actor... An actor, the one actor I've hated so much I had to write a letter, so I won't say his name, because he's probably destitute. Um, but he was in a production, not he that one, he was in the production him. of Romeo and Juliet, uh, which came to the Everyman Theatre in Liverpool. We're talking about 20-odd years ago now. And he's playing Romeo, right? And that's a lovely part for a juvenile actor to play. But he was shit. He did nothing with it at all. And when he's told that moment, my lord, your lady is dead, she lies in, in the monument and all that, his reaction, I'm going to do his reaction for you. He did this. That was it. That was the acting. Just that. And then he ponced off, skipped off stage. In the, the scene where they wake up in the morning, he's clearly dry humping the actress he's meant to be in bed with. And I don't think she would have welcomed that. I was no. so angry I wrote a letter. I wrote wow. to the theatre company and said, you can't be destroying Shakespeare with this actor who I shall not name. I've never seen him progress. Good. I see you at a sort of Victorian bureau with the, the green leather thing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. some uh, gilt edging. Um, with with some fine paper. Oh, yes. That has Indian silk woven into it. Oh. With the quill. Yes. Writing your uh, angry letters by candlelight. Oh, that, a biro quill, really? Shit. I've got a proper. I've got a. Oh, all right. Quill. Yeah, proper quills are difficult to get at the moment. They're bloody they're difficult to use. I got this calligraphy set. Jesus, I can't and use that. Are. Anyway, so uh, the other film was for the love of Ada. <laughs> oh yeah. Seamless. Seamless. Yeah, beautiful. Um, which. Wasn't the thing Jack was known for, really. So Jack Smethurst is in the, For the Love of Ada as Irene Handel's son. It's Irene Handel and Irene uh, Handel. Wilfred Pickles, isn't it, yes. For the Love of Ada? And um, another series without a laugh in it. Interesting, when you consider that it's the same writers. Interesting as... how they made four series within two years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Well, if you get something that's a success, why wait? And again, we've talked yeah. before, haven't we, about the rapidity of um, of uh, the commissioning process, where you could just say, "I've got got this series. All right, make thirteen. Let's see how it goes." Yeah. And then, if it goes well, there's nothing wrong with saying, "All right, we'll have another thirteen starting in six weeks." Yeah, you you could do that, 
So, yeah, four series. It's not funny, but it doesn't need to be because it's got such good actors. The, the yeah. quartet of central actors there, again, another series now with no surviving actors, they, yeah. they work beautifully together, absolutely beautifully together. Um, Isn't it Althea um, Charlton who plays his wife in that? No, it's not. Um, and I can't remember the lady's name, but I know she's no longer with us. But no, it's not Althea Charlton. She's brilliant. She was. Althea Charlton. fantastic. Yeah. She is one of the most and remarkable Sam. You've seen actors. Sam? Um, I've still not watched it. Oh, that's unforgivable. I know. That I know. Really I will. Unfor- You're no maester of me, maester. Brilliant. She is amazing in that. She's the women I grew up around. Those fucking don't fuck with her. Althea Charlton's (laughs) one of those actresses who I think needs a book researching and writing about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The little I know about her life is absolutely fascinating. I'm going to have a quick Google then, because I'm convinced she's 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 an absolutely superb actress. Um, And it doesn't matter the series that you put her in, you get that believability. She's in an episode of Doomwatch where. Barbara Mitchell. Barbara Mitchell. Barbara Mitchell. but in the episode of Doomwatch that Alethea Charlton's in, she's playing Patrick Troughton's daughter. But Troughton is basically just a head being kept alive by a machine. And so you've got Troughton, he's all bandaged up and he's lying. You've only got his face for the whole episode. And he's lying under this giant sort of uh, metal tube. But she delivers this dialogue just in the most believable way. And mm-hmm. just everything about every word that she utters. Is, yeah. is superb, but she died very young. I think she died when she was 44. I think yeah, she had a, 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 a brain hemorrhage, didn't she? Or something, yeah. Um, read about that, but, but brilliant. I mean, but that's 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 a film that's uh, I just remember one line from it where he was, and it sticks in my head from being a kid. She'll go earless, earless when he's on about his missus and him not getting home or something. So Jack Smethers was one of these sort of he was. Just like blokes I grew up around, just constantly had a fag in his mouth. The fact yeah. that he got to like eighty nine is pretty good. The amount of smoking he did. Um, and and if, you want idea, to, if you want to date never... his career, do you know what his first ever TV job was? First TV. And it's before he did uh, any film or anything like that. His first TV job is as an extra in the original Quatermass and the Pit. Oh, um, yeah, I remember that. I think you told me that. Yeah, yeah where they're watching. Uh, they're watching a cine film being projected that's been uh, somebody's mind. They've managed to capture what the eye can see when, when you're in a dream state. And they show this cine film. And that's Jack Smethurst as the cine operator, live um, from Riverside. I think that was Riverside Studios. Lovely to, you know, so you've got that career that starts with that and then just keeps going and keeps going yeah. right until he's in what uh keeping in up appearances Corrie. about 94 95 he's in Corrie, like in the last 10 years four different roles in Corrie. four four different roles um, Let's have a look here when he was last in Corrie then um keeping up appearances all right so it says that that was is i thought he was in Corrie later no last thing uh, last credit he's got his dinner ladies i'm sure oh, yeah. he was in Corrie. I'm sure in the last ten years he was in Curry. No, I think I think he largely retired over the last. In ten two thousand and one, he returned for several months as Stan Wagstaff. There you go. That right. I'm gonna hate. Yeah, that's to, the last one. Two thousand and one. It wasn't keeping. I hate to tell you, that's not ten years, dear. That's twenty one years. Look, nineteen ninety is ten years ago to me, mate. It's, yes, I know. Do you know what I, I mean? Know. 
Yes, um, back I do. to the nineties. Yes. Um, but now both of them absolutely just superb actors. And again, you look at those films that they did. So Anna Karen was Sparrows Can't Sing. Um, yeah. Jack Smether since Saturday Night Sunday Morning. Saturday me. Night Sunday Morning. That was the one. Is uh, it a kind of loving as well? Yes. So, oh, lovely careers. Lovely. Yeah. Careers. I mean, the one thing that you know, I, I, I've not. I don't watch telly, so I've not seen any of the old bits. But I'm sure they mentioned Love Thy Neighbor in its usual sort of pejorative uh, function. Which... I, mean, I have to say, very sadly here, I don't think there's been any television obits uh, oh. with all the international malarkey that's happening. Oh. Uh, I think Anna Karen got at one minute at the end of the Radio 4 6 o'clock news the day after she died. Right. Jack Smithhurst, I heard nothing. No, you um, wouldn't. You wouldn't. No. Especially because of Love Thy Neighbour, which, you know, Rudolph Walker has is quite a defender of the show. And why not? I mean, the fact of the matter is, it was just showing blokes being atavistic and infantile and the women showing them you know you're both dickheads um and and that is kind of like it's about right really isn't it you know well, that's it and it's now it's got this reputation now as that racist program by people who've not the language it. is very spicy yes it is the language is very spicy you can't say it's not but again no. they were holding a mirror up to society and that's again what i was saying to you earlier that's why these shows had currency and why they were um, relevant and and that's yeah. what you've got to do you've got to put you know if you were making a sitcom now Paul you'd have to put a young boy in who wanted to be a YouTuber and was gender fluid you'd have to put in um, a, a sort of you know his wife would have to be a labourer on a building site he stays at home um, and listens to the archers <laughs> You'd be all right for that one. I wouldn't watch it, though. I mean, straight away, you People were saying would. that. I mean, you know what my brain was doing? My brain was Spike Milligan, dressed as a floor manager, going, where's the stupid girl with the big boobs? Get the stupid girl with the big boobs. That's... Because, yeah. that, no, I don't... You say... Right, you say that, but then again, think about that when they've tried to do that sort of thing, when they've tried to make something for a contemporary audience in a sitcom, or when they've tried to... When they've tried to do that American style of writing with bloody writer's rooms, you get My Family. Do you remember that? Robert Lindsay and Zoe Monomaker. Oh, All right, fair play. They are both brilliant, but that series... What was that awful one that Jimmy Nail did? It could have been anything. Was it I crocodile know, shoes? <laughs> Absolutely not. I will not watch it. <laughs> no, he did one about two. Well, I say two years ago. It's probably nineteen ninety eight. But um, he was a rock star, and his son was. Well, it was like you're saying it was. I've got to have a look at this. Jimmy no, because of his rock star. Right, because what you then end up is with that only fools and horses thing. Do you remember when they did the parents of the band? There what? you go. Jimmy well, Nail returns in Sky B- Two. No, BBC One Prime Time. Oh, for God's sake! Well, in Parents of the Band, he will play Phil Palmer, the father of a fifteen-year-old boy who starts up a rock band with his mates. The twist in the sitcom is Phil is a former one-hit wonder, and instead of opposing the team band, he wants to be a big part of it. Jimmy said half-hour comedy is something I've not done before. As such, it offers a new challenge. We have a wonderful team. Some of them new acquaintances. Some old friends. The sitcom was co-created by Jimmy and Tarquin Gotch. So there you go. Who were behind Crocodile Shoes, it says. Oh, there you go. Right, straight away. It's basically the same thing. How many series did they manage of it? One. One. 
No, there's a shock. I know. No, I, I don't remember this at all. And no, he I was sort of watch. being cool with his kid. He's like, hey, I'm a rock star, me. He's oh, lying. God. No. I know. No, because because like I was saying, it's going to be like Only Fools and Horses where the son had grown up a bit. And, and you know, he was made into this stereotype wandering around saying, that's lame and stuff like that. And that just made yeah, me want to kill that's him. That's sick, Dad. I'll tell you one of the worst missteps they had was in the green, green grass when they had, was it Tyler, Boise's son? And he was sort of a sulky teenager in it. Yeah. I quite like the green, green grass, actually. Yeah. Well, I like um, Ludlow, where yes. Boise, well, John Chalice had that beautiful home, and it was like that, so why don't we film it all at my house? Ah! <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And yes. I'll get the cash. Uh, so his yeah. home was beautiful. Ludlow was beautiful. Um, and I thought that John Chalice was an engaging screen presence. We've said this before. He's great. Oh, he was brilliant. But I, I like Sue Holderness as well. Exactly. I've always liked That's Sue. what the green, green grass is good, apart from yeah. the the sulky sun. Um, yes. It was good. Well, all right. I could watch that. I can't watch Only Fools and Horses. I can't now. It's been ruined then. by the people who like it. Right, I understand that. And that's why I feel that I'm in a better position, because I never liked it. I loved it. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Those first three series, four series with uh, Leonard Pierce as granddad, there were some genuine moments of pathos. There's, the, there's one episode where it just there's a slow zoom in on him, and he's had about when he came back from the war. And he's, uh, the dialogue is, uh, they promised us homes fit for heroes. They gave us heroes fit for homes. And it was just like, wow. Because Leonard Pierce was brilliant. He was. He's a good actor. Am I watching Armchair Theatre or a sitcom? Piss off, Paul. No, you, no. You, you know how good that can be. I, the no, two I masks, don't. dear boy. 30 minutes. You've got 30 minutes of sitcom. Don't be throwing the pathos in. You don't well, need it. that's what he was like, wasn't it? You know, that's what the writer was like. Da oh, what was he called? Uh, Sullivan, John, John Sullivan. Sullivan. If that was David Sullivan. He used to do the dirty pictures in the back of the paper. You could send yes. away for not that I ever did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> John Sullivan. Yeah. Um, well, you know, did you know he was a scene shifter on the two Ronnies part? That's yes, a little I known did. fact. Yes, I like that little known fact, and I think he was very good at it, and maybe should have stuck at it rather than going, Oh, I don't know about my pathos life. I'm not interested. Or oh, I'll make him cry at this point. They're watching a sitcom. Leave it's them good. alone. It is but, good. But, it, it... but you, you can justify it all you want. You're not going to be right. You were probably happy with Home to Roost. Preferable. Yeah, because they didn't try pathos. I mean, the whole thing was, you know, oh, he's come back, he's been in jail. But let's not bother about that now. Let's just do some gags. That's what sitcoms should be. Reese Dinsdale was good in that, wasn't he? And John thought, what I liked about those sitcoms where they were divorced was the divorced bloke always had quite a, a saucy wife, uh, you know, ex-wife. Yes. always had. I think Patrick Cargill, uh, wasted on Patrick, of course. But oh, I yes. think Patrick always had a saucy ex-wife and stuff, didn't he? Mm. Well, there's a sitcom called The Many Wives of Patrick. The Many Wives of Patrick. Can't Absolutely. believe he wrote his own cheque and his own everything for that. It's just like, I know oh. what I need. 
<laughs> just wonderful isn't father dear father is basically what he's got he's got his saucy ex-wife he's got his saucy current girlfriend he's got his saucy young daughters all of it wasted as you yeah, lots of sorts. You, you do realise you are standing up for ITV here and I'm defending the BBC? I absolutely do. But this is the thing. Had I been allowed to watch ITV when I was growing up, I would have loved it. Because it's only now that I've got to rely on the shelves full of network DVDs. And I suddenly go, but this is what I wanted. This is yeah. the stuff. There you go. You were a closet ITV fan. What's it Eddie Hitler refers to ITV as? That's the stuff. Nothing to worry about and plenty of sauce. That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. But just genuinely sort of like... But then, you know, the, the whole regional system, when you had that, when when it could be experimental and things like that, mm. when it wasn't centralised. We're doing this... There's this big thing now about we're going to get TV back out to the regions. Well, you should have left it there probably, mm. maybe, in the well, first place. They, 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 it's like organic and non-organic veg, isn't it? You know, years ago, it was all organic. And yes. then they said, "This is I'm sh I'm sure this is a Dandy Nichols quote, more or less." But you know, then it was just like, "Oh no, that stuff's rubbish." So you know, you, you want all you want all this factory made stuff. Oh, now organic's best again. So they do this thing whereby they continue, they keep doing the same thing back and forth, and they can justify charging you again and again and again. Yes, absolutely. Grow your so, own, I say. Yes, yes. Well, I'm just been uh, I've been turning over my window boxes this morning, officer. <laughs> Um, so I'm getting ready for the season. Um, yes. But yeah, so we did try an Anna Karen and Jack Smethers tribute. We tried. We gave it a shot. I mean, yeah, they just, were both great. They were just two really good actors with really good careers who, from what I've read, were really nice people. Mm. You know, they were... Very nice things. They just knew their, they knew their trade. They knew their craft. And... God bless them for that. And for hours, especially with Anna Cannon on the buses, about 3,000 hours, because it didn't yeah. stop that show, of just of entertaining people. That's, no Stan in the last series. No Stan. No, he'd given up, hadn't he? Yeah, Blakey and, uh, moves in to yeah. their house because Mum lets Stan's room out. And yeah. then there's a series with Blakey and his sister where they got to live in Spain called Don't Drink the Don't Water. Drink the Water. Which Pat is laugh-free. Absolutely laugh-free. It's a bit like Romany Jones with... Um... Arthur Mallard. No. It is. It's Arthur oh, Mallard it's, uh, and James yeah, Beck. He's not... James Beck, thank you. Yeah, Mallard's not the main one. Um, no, no, that's just my dear where that character's the, yeah, the main James one. Yeah, James Beck. Laugh-free. Right, I, I, you're right. There is a there is an interesting sort of mind switch but going watchable. on here, isn't there? But very, very watchable. I'm it's not, not saying that it's, it's watchable. Not... It's hilarious stuff. Romany Jones is brilliant. Not as funny as Yes, my dear, but close. Which isn't funny. It is. It's so funny. It's brilliant. Oh, I don't, oh no. We're gonna. Yeah, but you've. Oh, have you watched Queenie's Castle yet? No. Right. You keep so, telling me it's full of incest and bestiality, so I don't fancy it. No, it's not full of incest and bestiality. It feels like it probably should be. So right, it's just like, okay. it feels like when you're watching it, if you went up and touched the TV screen, you just get this film of grease on your hand from it. It's just, it's not nice. KFC but that's kitchen. a reason to watch it. I, th I, think you'd, I think you'd laugh at it. I laughed once at something. Do you think that here's Link for our third and final attempted tribute, Beryl yeah. Virtue would have would have worn it? 
The late Beryl Virtue. I don't think Beryl would have had anything to do with Arthur no. Mallard. No, I don't. Watts, no. Although, you know, we may do some digging and find that she did. It's quite possible. It's Beryl. Quite possible. Oh. Where do you start a, with Beryl? It's weird how the. Well, I mean, as we were discussing, you know, before we came on about. You know, Spike saying, "Oh, those those floors up there are empty. Why don't we use them?" So they found it associated London scripts, yeah. but it's weird how it then becomes intertwined due to the Hancock thing with with Terry Nation and the Daleks. Yeah, the whole thing uh, melds together. And what would you give to walk into that building Fuck back mate. sixty years ago? And there's there's Nation and there's Milligan and there's Sykes and there's Gorton and Simpson and Beryl running them all. Oh. Can you imagine? I mean, you you know, you're on about things that are um, anachronistic and groundbreaking. There's a woman running the show there. Oh, absolutely. You know, and being very um, successful and creating yeah, very funny with, stuff. With Beryl Virtue, I mean, of course, the strange thing is, because she was, if you go back 20 years, she was just the name on a on a credits list at the end of a TV show, yeah. another another name. And again, because it was 20 years ago, it wasn't really that long since she'd done this stuff. So my um, my my involvement <coughs> there was that when they published the book 50 Years of Hancock's Half Hour, in the back were two scripts that they didn't uh, ever do um, for various reasons. I don't think one of them, um, uh, there's one script which they didn't actually do in the end and the reason was because it was a very topical script and then the news changed. It was just like, well, nobody's going to mm. be interested now. So they dropped this script and it's published in the back there and I thought, well, at work, there's a little challenge for the kiddos. I could do a live sitcom on telly. Who do I contact? Because I'll need Galton and Simpson to give permission. So I emailed Beryl, who emailed me back and I wish now I had written a letter to Beryl so mm. I actually had a letter back. She might not have replied um, to the latter, though. Yeah. Busy lady. But, oh, well, yeah. But email comes back, this this lovely email, and in that email she said, oh, I'm interested in your project, but obviously I'll have to run it past the boys. The boys were Galton and Simpson, who were well up for it. And so there was the... But she was, a, she was incredibly encouraging of this mad little sod from Liverpool saying, I want to do this with kids. And she went... Oh, run it past the boys see what they do just yeah. but then you look at the lovely credits people lovely yeah. people lovely, lovely i mean lovely just people. that yeah you know the generosity of that because Ooh. you know we know there are certain playwrights or whatever who wouldn't even give you the steam off the piss um the first time I recall seeing her in the modern age as such was, I think she was involved with Men Behaving Badly. It's a producer. Yeah. So I remember seeing her name and it was like, whoa, get yeah. lost. You know, this name yeah. out of all the Hancock books. This person is still working. Wow. Still, yeah. And that and she, was 20 odd years ago. Did you yeah, like Men well, Behaving that, Badly? Bit longer than that, I'm afraid. Men Behaving Badly is, I think, starting 96. Makes it yeah, a very long 25 time. Years, Twenty-five years. Six years. Um, years ago. Stop it. Yes, she founded Hartswood Films to make Men Behaving Badly. Right. Uh, so, uh, but to see her name there, yeah, that, I think that would have been one of the first times I saw her name on screen. Yeah. But you're right. When you start delving back, this this career, and we've talked before, haven't we, about how 
Milligan is responsible for British humour, or or Eric Sykes is responsible for British sitcom, or this person or that person. Sykes but not again, funny. Sykes the with, series not funny. Which series? Sykes has its moments. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that the best half hours have gone. The best half hours will have been the black and white ones. Yeah. I think there's about five left. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. So I'm guessing the the sort of you know this this monolithic Sykes. Yeah, I think we've lost those shows. Oh, I, I think that we've lost those. But what we do have is these people who we say, oh, well, they're responsible for this, or they're responsible oh, he's for that. oh fuck, man, he's massive, yeah. But then again, who was the person who took all of these disparate people and said, in you come. Beryl Virtue is responsible for so much of our national identity. At Spike's behest. Yes. Because he could see, it's like, wow, here's someone to bring all those dickheads together and make us work. But that was a canny move, wasn't it? To actually, because clearly, just knowing that you needed someone like that who'd come in and take charge. Yeah. And the legacy of what she did is, it's television now. That's the legacy of Beryl Virtue, I would say, in this country. Yeah. That's her. Oh, she's an enormous figure. One of those people that they don't, you know, that people don't know. They just know the shows. You That's know. it. But um, should do. Oh, God, yeah, they should do. Absolutely. But, I mean, I don't think, they, I don't think these people exist, never mind uh, those times. I really don't. You know, I think time does move on. Um, and I don't think people have got the same um, the same drives, the same impetus to achieve anymore. And there are many reasons for that. Mainly, you know, um, you could go on all day about it, couldn't you? You could go on about the social reasons behind it. You could go on about the political reasons because they'd been through a war and they were coming back. And I think there was very much after the after World War Two. This another sort of reason s- to have a war. Then that's another reason to have a war. We'll get good telly again. Telly will come back better. You've got Dada um, from World War One and Bauhaus and Junger Stieler and Art Nouveau and and all these wonderful yeah. things and and then after World War Two, I mean, you know, you had Larkin who was sort of literally representing the smashed landscape that they inhabited, and then you had Milligan who was just yeah, it's yeah. the same backdrop, but I'm going to use it to motivate me to create a fantasy. But you also from like you get the angry young men coming out. You get John Osborne coming reaction, out and reaction, writing. Reaction. Exactly, you know, you yeah. you get that because said it before, but say it again. What you have now is you have to write for committee because oh, you will yeah. have people who want uh, to make a season of theatre that will appeal to this demographic rather than mm. just something that's people. good and that people will watch, mm-hmm. which is. The, the problem really and I think that's why you won't get another Beryl Virtue you know you you just won't because these days you don't have that one figure who's just controlling things left right and centre in the same way as you will never get another David Frost figure doing so much transatlantically doing so much oh crazy you won't get yeah. these people because well, Piers Morgan <laughs> he styles himself on Frost. I mean, what you've got now when we discuss things being done by committee in that way, it is a modern iteration of that boldlerization, isn't it? It's everything yes. having to go through a translator to make it, you know, acceptable for the audience. 
well, acceptable, but also accessible. Mm. It's got to be accessible for them. And I think that's the the bigger problem, is that we're we're talking about something now where if, if it's not something that the casual viewer can turn on and within 20 seconds make a black and white yes, no, I like it, I don't like it decision, then it's superfluous. We, we, we don't want that. We want something that'll make the viewer go, oh. So mm. the, the imagery, the music, the sound, the style, the look has to be almost pornographic so that you go, oh, yeah. and, and you're there straight yeah. away. Because people are so scared of not having the audience that they won't take time to build the audience. Well, we made a start on Friday. We made our first we short film. We we, we, are, we are putting our money where our mouth is, dear viewers. We are. Uh, we are, we creating are. We, our, we, attempting to create our own culture. We are. Shot a film in a day, and within a few weeks, we shall see what it's like. A lovely experience working with Ethna Brown. Yeah. Um, Chrissy you know, Rogers proper, in Brookside. Oh, a pro- proper Liverpool people. actress. Um, and at this point, we should just mention also that the other person who we lost recently was a, a Liverpool legend, Sylvie Gattrell. Absolutely. How could Lovely Sylvie. Bold Street will not be the same without her, nor will theatre. Um, one of those people who drove local theatre in a city. Cities are full of these people. And they're all getting on a bit now, but they drove theatre from the 60s through the 70s and so on and so on and so on. Um, yeah, we do need it. We need something to begin again, and it must not be through commission. She got me a co-op advert once. Mm. Sylvie. Mm. <laughs> that was an experience. Um, <sighs> yes, and, and would have, as as Ethna said the other day, would have loved the fact that her um, recent turn in The Responder, is it called, on BBC One? It is. Has led to her trending on Twitter, and, uh, and sadly she's not there. So... So, so uh, as a, an episode with more than a hint of rouge tristesse today, yeah. but um, <coughs> you know, with a lady vape cough, yes. I had to stop the lady vape. It was giving me. A I've cough. got cheap liquid. They didn't have a normal liquid. Look at that. It's piss. Piss what's coloured in liquid that stuff. Well, I don't know what's in this. I normally have nice stuff that just looks like water and tastes like virgin's milk. And I ah. go, Ooh, that's nice. You know, someone's just put a polo in a stream and gathered the water up for me. This it's called berry mint, and it's trying to kill me. I, I don't berry know. Mint. I, there's a little, there's a little chap here. Look at him on the back, saying, Ooh. "Look out! You, you're going to explode." Yes, you're going to explode. I, I tried the lady vape. Um, it, they claimed on the advert six, sixty, six thousand puffs. Um, so sounds like uh, one of John Inman's tours of the seventies. <laughs> um, doesn't it? You can imagine him doing it. I shall play all 6,000. Join me. Um, God almighty, he didn't half play on that stereotype. Um, as they say in Filthy Rich and Clap, clap Trap, Cat Flap, I'm a homosexual. Yeah. Isn't it hilarious? Um, um, yeah, so no, I did the lady vape. Gave me a cough. No, 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 no. Yeah. Horrible. But this is going to be my last hungry podcast. Hooray! How Hooray. many days have we done? We have done, what's the date? It's the 27th. The 27th. This is my 27th day of not eating. <sighs> wow, man. Oh, I tell oh. you what, I nearly jibbed it this week. I On my hands and knees in pain with it. It was just like, your body's trying to tell you something here, dear. Well, it is. It's trying to tell you that all of this weird Catholic guilt nonsense that makes you do this sort of nonsense is silly. That's what it's, it's not trying Catholic to do, but... guilt, I don't oh, think. Oh, it, it's is all it? to do with Catholicism. Catholicism? 
Catholicism, it's no, it is, it is. You know, you're scourging yourself. You should just get the her shirt on, or or don't or don't be a fanny. Yeah. Be like Jesus, 40 days and 40 no, nights. No, I did no. consider the full Jesus, and I was going to do it, uh, but this week... So I know my limit now, it's three weeks. Three weeks, I won't say I breezed through, but it was okay. Right. This week, I've just... Yeah. I remember it was Thursday night, and I felt so sick. I still feel sick now, and it was just like... Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You've got five days of this. You can't do it. Um, and I started getting a little bit scared, actually. Well, yeah. And I thought, you know, don't be a fanny. Manfully well, carry on. Like we did in the Sudan. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. No, it'll be fine. Um, we'll get this last day, uh, two days, boxed. And then um, we're back to normal. And then we declare your bathroom a hazard to shipping on Tuesday evening. We do indeed, yes. That's why I won't be having the uh, beef broom, boom, boom broth in work. No, no. Um, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise it will be uh, abandoned ship. Yes. Um, so, there you go. Um, yep. My misery, hopefully a nice point to end on. And um, I think we did a, a sterling job there as... Uh, I think so. Peter Sissons announcing people passing... They're wonderful people, and they, I mean, final word, my final word, then please add your own. Um, these were people who enriched my life. You know what I mean? Sylvie got me a co-op advert, which was, we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> um, Anna Karen, the amount of joy that, you know, all of the on the buses stuff brought to me. Um, Jack Smethurst, just because I, I I loved him, I, I he just he was one of those blokes that was like wheel tappers and shunters, wasn't he, and all that mm. stuff. And then with Beryl Virtual, well, throw a bloody dart at your uh, bookcase. Well, no, you won't, and I won't. But you know, and and pick something. Oh, she'll be in most of these books. Yeah, she will. Um, all of them very nice things. All of them will not oh, be yes. forgotten. No. You know, you're never forgotten as long as somebody says your name occasionally. And these are people whose names are not, not going to be forgotten. Special no. people. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So uh, we hope you all have a lovely week at home, and um, we shall see you with full firm of fetlock, stuffed cheeks like hamsters next week. And uh, until the next time, goodbye. Bye-bye. Nice Things, The Antidote to Modern Living was presented by Sir Michael Livesley and Lady Paul Carmichael. The music was written by Michael Livesley, and the flutes were played by Andy Frizzell and John No Jokes Please Lewis. Nice Things is a Guilty Dog production.